Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club, hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. My name is James, joined as always by my co-host, Alex. Salutations. And incessant recurring guest, Ryan Williams. I can't get enough, guys. Thanks for having me. Can't stop, won't stop. Ryan Williams. That's his, Never. That's his tagline. Yes, <laughs> well, I live and breathe by that. It's on my t-shirts. I have a gold chain right in front of my chest, and I just walk around Ooh. with it all the time. Didn't picture, didn't pin you for a gold chain guy, but I think... No, I don't have a gold chain. No, no. That's a, that okay. was it. That was a lie. Oh, okay. Well, I can picture it. I can see it. You should consider it. I should. I should. I, I will. I will. Anyway, folks, we've got some news today. Big news. We've got here we goes flying left and right on Twitter. We've got contract extensions to talk about first, and then we'll get into the transfer stuff, which I'm sure everyone is very much aware of at this point, but really exciting last week or so. Uh, I'm feeling much more energized. If you couldn't tell from our last episode after my bet with tequila, I've rebounded fantastically. And I'm ready to, to run it today. So let's get started. So this was a few days ago. The announcement that Michael Keane has signed a contract extension. I believe it's a, a three-year extension, which will put him under contract with Everton until 2025. Let's throw it to Alex first. Alex, this one kind of came as a surprise because we had talked about in our squad assessment, maybe someone who has probably the most resale value of anyone currently in our squad. What did you make of the Michael Keane extension news? Yeah, it was it was definitely surprising for me. We talked about how he fits into the squad, what type of um, defensive structure he's good in, what he may not be good in. Uh, we've speculated as to how Ancelotti might want to play in the future and and where Michael Keane could fit in. I think at the end of the day, it's it's really just about the fact that Ancelotti obviously thinks that he has something to offer the squad. And really in terms of the resale value, I think that's also a, a piece to an extension, right? Because um, part of the, part of the game in, in, in soccer and in, in world soccer really is, is how to retain value via contracts too. It is. Uh, I, I think some people have made too much of a big deal about the resale value and missed the purpose of that kind of concept, but I get it. As long as he's not on a massive raise, it's not like he's unmovable if he has a bad year or anything. He is good when we sit deep, but again, like we said in the squad assessment, he's he can't play higher. So, um, but it wouldn't be crazy that we could move him in a year if he felt like he didn't fit in the squad. But I, I don't know. It's a strange, strange thing to me. I, I can't imagine his value would plummet if he had one year left. Um, but if he's not getting a massive raise, knowing he's still a contributor, I guess I get it. But I, I don't know how to feel about it. I mean. You know what I mean, James? Is that like something you're enthusiastic about? I mean, Alex kind of laid it out like it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not anything that I'm going... I, I will say it's probably the least exciting of any of the topics that we have to discuss today as far as my feelings towards it. That said, I do think, you know, there there can be sometimes a tendency amongst the fan base to kind of maybe, I guess, write a player off, say they're they're not good enough for where we want to be. And you can make that argument for Michael Keane. We've talked... In, at length about his deficiencies on the ball he's you know what what's he good at playing you know on a, on a deep back line <laughs> winning balls in the air he can do a job in this defensive unit and i think for where we're at right now we, it would be a little i guess high and mighty of us to turn our nose up at a player who was probably our most consistent performer post restart you know what will he be a focal point of the squad in two or three years time i certainly hope not but for a couple more years, while we still need a you know a rock solid 
someone who can come in and, and provide depth in that position, I'm not opposed to it at all. And furthermore, the extension then allows us to amortize uh, his his original transfer fee over a longer period of time, which will save us a few million a year. So all in all, and actually one last point is he, he seems like he's happy at the club and he wants to to play here. And this was a point that, that Baz from Toffee TV made on Twitter. We shouldn't be turning our noses up at players who are enthusiastic about being playing for the club. We know how many players have f- failed to show up so consistently on, over the last couple of years. He, I don't think Michael Keane is really one of them. When fit, he's been a really consistent performer. So overall, no, I think, first of all, that Mason Holgate and Yuri Mina will probably be our first choice over him. But as a depth player in the Premier League, you can do a lot worse than Michael Keane. Yeah, he can get better too. I mean, honestly, I mean, Carlos Lee's shown some ability to play different tactics. So if we need to pack it in sometimes, he can be, he can be there too. So yeah, it's not, not the worst thing. I mean, but he's not that old. I mean, he's only 27. I think uh, right. we, we kind of view him as older. Uh, certainly you can improve as a center back. Yeah. And I think Carlo clearly, as Alex said originally, clearly thinks that he provides something and, and offers something maybe different or, or adds depth to the squad. So again, if Carlos for it, who am I to say that he's, mistaken or wrong so again not not the most exciting and, and kind of out of the blue but nonetheless you know solidifying our our squad depth over the next few years so i think it's an overall good move but let's move on to an exciting young player who had just recently signed a new five-year deal and that is the young prodigy anthony gordon we'll go to ryan on this one first ryan how you feeling about ag signing an extension I mean, there's certainly something about him. Uh, I think some people have maybe overblown his contributions last year, but he did have and was able to take initiative on the pitch. He's a physical talent. No question about that. Um, and you know, he had some moments and he's still so young. I mean, how can anyone think of this as anything but a, but a positive thing? Now, that being said, I wonder what that means immediately. I mean, could he maybe go out on loan? I mean, he's still very young. He still hasn't really played at a super high level. There was some discussion of maybe he was the guy that went to Watford in order to help the Decore deal. Uh, some people may think that's a terrible idea, but if we end up with numbers in wider positions, um, it's not necessarily the worst idea. I, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I think it's positive all the way all the way around. I pretty much echo your sentiments, Ryan. It, it's it's exciting news, right? I, I'm not saying that it wouldn't be necessarily expected, but I will say just in general, we see we've seen a lot of top clubs. Um, lose, lose hold of their young, talented players around the same age as him, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. There are a lot of high profile ones. Uh, one, you know, let's say at Dortmund, for example, that are, and, and so I think it's just important that we're also retaining our young talent, right? We talk about how we love to see Everton bringing up, up youth players. Maybe in recent years, we haven't brought up as many as we've wanted, or they haven't been as successful as we've wanted. Um, so. Here's here's to hopefully a successful future with the first team for Anthony Gordon. And he can play yeah. 10 because Gilfie's clearly on his way to DC United. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, this just oh. in, folks, as a resident of the greater DC area and know the team very well, I, I think that last DP spot for DC United is going to be taken by Higuain's brother. I mean, there's a reason why they got, you know, the other Higuain a couple months ago and they need a striker. So sorry to break any and burst anyone's bubble, but I don't think it's going to happen. Sorry. Is the headline there Gil Fee to the DMV? Anyone? Any take? No, no, no. Stop it now. But to be fair, I think the key word. (laughs) I think the key word in that report from the athletic from Pablo was eventually join DC United. So it could be 
more so like a preliminary talk. Do you guys know the connection there too? I mean, the DC United's ownership group is basically the same as the Swans. So, um, you know, they, they, I mean, clearly Swans are well aware of Gilfie. So I would imagine that's probably how the dialogue happened. And I will say this, Pablo is the guy pretty much him and Stephen Goff are kind of the two guys that Pablo's <laughs> quite a personality, but if they say stuff about DC, it's because they actually heard a, a legitimate discussion about it, but he was reasonable about him. He didn't say it was imminent or anything like that. It wasn't a here we go. Yeah. It could be legit. I mean, it could eventually he'll have to move on. The The sentiment seems to be that he's going to see out his contract with Everton and then look for his next move. But I did want to just pivot back to the original topic, which, of course, Anthony Gordon's contract extension. Which I railroaded um, badly. No, it's OK. It's good. We can, we can cover the Gilfie stuff briefly. But focal point, Anthony Gordon. And, and as you mentioned, Alex, so many English clubs have seen their their young talents pilfered away to Germany and to, to, to you know, large amounts of success. But Anthony Gordon, a, a scouser who clearly in the video that that Everton revealed, you know, it's a dream come true for him to sign this deal, probably on a significant wage increase. And to your point, Ryan, about the the loan, depending on what goes on the rest of the transfer market, I know that there was a lot made of his contributions in the latter half of the season, but he is still so young. And at this point in his development, regular game time at a, at a high level is going to be what helps him the most. It's not going to be being second or third choice on either wing for us this season. I still think that he probably could get relatively consistent minutes with us, but for me, a lone move where he's arguably going to be a first choice player in the championship for someone like Watford would be the perfect move at the perfect time for a player of his age. Yeah, I agree. I think the loan would be good. I mean, Watford in general, okay. I I, I personally don't have a say in, in terms of, or, or an opinion in terms of Watford itself. But I think a low move would be good for him for sure, depending on how the numbers lay out, like Ryan said. Yeah, and, and we'll see. Maybe Carlo wants to keep him around. He still can clearly compete in the Premier League. But whether that's the, again, thinking longer term with a player like him, you, you can't really think as short term as perhaps Everton are thinking with the transfer moves that we've been making and give it a quick summary. So obviously over the last week, some substantial developments, we've got rumors for Decore, which seems to be well underway. We've reportedly agreed to personal terms with the player. Do we want to, so we started Ryan, do you want to talk about your little uh, escapade on Twitter earlier? Yes, it was quite an escapade. Uh, now I sent out a poll, um, that discussed the three potential incomings and, and asked the question, which one will have the biggest impact on the pitch for Everton next year? So it kind of took out the resale, took out of, we're not debating it as a transfer decision. I, I think we've all decided or, or determined that if this does happen, I mean, this is clearly Carlo's reboot, I guess, in a way to make sure that he has experienced people on the pitch that he can trust, uh, cause we clearly don't have them. And that's something worth noting, too. I mean, a lot of the resale and buying young players and, you know, it's nice when they have people that can help lead them on the pitch as well. And if we don't have that, maybe this is a one year necessity. That's fine. Uh, Allen was the big winner at 70.4 percent. Decorey at 10.5 and James at 19.2. I have to admit, that's a little surprising that Allen was so big. But but I do get it. I mean, I, I think so. We had a couple some good responses. I thought uh, Peter Morris is one. His response was got to be Allen than Decore. We simply have to win more percentages in midfield. And James is a marquee signing, but without possession, he is irrelevant. And I, I'm right with Peter. I, I think he's correct on that. Um, when we did our analysis, and we'll talk about that in a second, you know, we, we have an issue passing, keeping the ball and taking it away. Shane, who's definitely one of our favorites on the show, Decore, everything we currently don't have. Steven Scott, I thought had a really good line too, and a thought 
DeCorey already knows the Premier League. That's a good point because if we're talking about who's going to make the impact next year, that's someone that knows the league. We know he can fit in. Maybe the transition won't be as bad. Conversely, and especially when I started looking into his ridiculous numbers, uh, Ing and Erkin, a Turk, Everton Turk, I love it. Uh, his response was Hamas. True impact means scoring goals and helping the team winning the games. And, uh, you know, we need goals too. And my Lord, you look at his creation numbers there. Actually, and it's funny when you get into it, you'd be surprised. His defensive contributions are okay too, and he's a good possession player. But um, I think the big summary is, you know, Jeff Thompson and Jeff and I go back and forth a lot. Allen in the immediate future, he's the glue, bind our team together. I agree. But his point is also not lost. And I know it wasn't the poll, but longer term, Rodriguez will have a huge effect on the profile of the club. You guys know social media and its impact a little better than me. I mean, what kind of impact are we talking here? I don't know if people quite understand. Uh, the reach that James has as a world superstar, it, it, it's all, it's pretty shocking. It shocked me. So I, last night I, I did a little, uh, if you can call it Google search research, then I did research last night. Google, like, just where does he fall in the scheme of world athletes? And it turns out that in terms of just Instagram followers, he is seventh in the world for athletes. <clears throat> most follows. He has like four, I think. The, the stat said 44. I think he's up to like 46 million followers right now. That's seven which is just on the planet of Earth. Uh, on the planet. Bigger than any American athlete besides LeBron James, which was like, you know, you think about how popular sports are in America and how huge some of the personalities and athletes are. And to be bigger than any of them, save LeBron James, is staggering. Like, it, And people, I don't think, think of Hamas in that way because obviously he had the world cup where he blew up and won the golden boot and did all of these things. And he's kind of, he had a good first season at Real Madrid and he since kind of struggled to really like put a stamp on his, his career and make it a true impact. Obviously at those gigantic clubs, they have a, a constant influx of talent and, and they've had their respective struggles at Real Madrid, um, you know, trying to rebuild post Ronaldo, but it really just, like a player of his profile in a country like Colombia, where it is soccer is the number one sport and everyone's obsessed with it. You, you can't understate how massive that is for Everton's long-term growth plans on like a global scale. It's, it's really just from a marketing perspective, it's brilliant. And then you talk about his impact on the field and, and he's a really quality player. And that of course comes first. Imagine having a, not an electronic friendly but a full-fledged friendly in Miami with like inter Miami or something with like the huge Colombian population there. I mean, it would be, it would be ridiculous. I mean, talk about a party. Yeah. Everyone wearing the third Everton kit, the seafoam green. We had someone uh, shout that out on Twitter. We definitely set up a booth there. <laughs> oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> that would be awesome. But but maybe that's a good place to start just the Hamas Rodriguez, because the latest as of about 10, 20 minutes ago from golden God Fabrizio Romano is that this is a here we go situation. It has been greenlit by Real Madrid. We've reportedly agreed to terms with the player. Alex, you know, this one had been kind of reported and then it sort of fell off and then it was renewed. How are you feeling about the transfer? I was shocked when we were able to secure Carlo Ancelotti and, and I still to this day feels feel like I'm in an alternate universe and then now we're getting a here we go about James Rodriguez from Fabrizio Romano and I don't even know what's real anymore to, I, I I'm I'm super excited about it he's a very talented player um one of the one of the important aspects of this <clears throat> transfer I think 
for, for Everton fans is, or, or just for the club in general is that Carlo Ancelotti worked with him twice at two different clubs before Real and Bayern Munich, I want to say in 2017. And so Carlo knows exactly what he's getting. And if Carlo feels that confident about it, obviously you can't, nobody can argue his technical ability, right? Then, then I think that he has a good shot of making a very solid impact pretty quickly too. Obviously we're talking about the premier league. It's a little bit different, but when, when your manager knows exactly what he's getting and, and you have the technical ability uh, that James Rodriguez has the vision, um, the passing, then I think there's everything to be excited about. And then all of the, all of the, yeah reach in terms of uh, of marketing is 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 a plus for me so so not to kill the numbers on this one but you know i'm gonna bring some so just from a creativity standpoint hummus's numbers are absurd (laughs) they're absurd i mean his non-penalty expected goals plus expects assists per 90 hasn't been under 0.58 in the last three years his numbers at Bayern under carlo are insane his shot creative creation actions just off live passes this isn't free kicks, which he's already awesome at is like around four per 90. I mean, we had no one above three. I, in fact, and, and at first I was like, ah, oh, well, that's just a byproduct of the team because whenever you run data models, it's amazing how often, you know, someone at Real or Bayern are, are the head of it. Then you look at it and it's like, yeah, no, he actually led both teams in SEA live. P90 the last two years was only second behind Ribéry at Bayern and he was playing a little deeper. But then, then I started thinking, oh, well, great. He's still like a luxury player. No, he's not. Actually, I, I was really shocked about some of his passing and not his passing. His possession numbers were better than I thought. I mean, three years ago, he had almost 16 passes under pressure for 90. I mean, he can handle the ball up top. He's stronger than you think. Um, he actually will kick someone to put a tackle in every now and then. Whenever he dribbled by someone, which wasn't often, he was at like 75%. I could not believe how low his number of miscontrols and like dispossessions are. And as we talked about, I mean, those were those, all those three passes under pressure, miscontrols, dispossession, those were big, like terrible numbers for us. Like, 16th in the league, 17th and 15th accordingly. And he's good at all of them. I, I think that's what I was really surprised about. And, and here's the other key stat for me. His receipt passes receiving stat. Cause you think about someone playing higher, you know, it's hard to receive a ball and keep it. You know, you're under more pressure over 90% the last three years. Wow. I'll tell you what, if he can stay healthy and do anything close to those numbers, I mean, the impact on our attack. Um, without necessarily being terrible behind the ball would be dramatic. I mean, we talked about how our, our strikers weren't finishing that badly. Oh my God, suddenly you have that much more service. And then we'll talk about the other two guys and what they'll do for us. I mean, it, it could be if he stays healthy, which is the concern, man, it could be a fun year. Not only that service too, but, but based on the numbers, it seems like, you know, we talked about, as you said, possession was, was an issue with us retaining possession in the middle of the pitch. We saw that a, a lot towards the end of the last season, but now it seems like we might get even better ball retention further forward on the pitch, which is also super important, especially when you're looking at linking up play with the forwards and bringing your fullbacks into the attack, which can be very important pieces of your uh, tactical setup, especially nowadays, it seems. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you got to get touches higher up the pitch in dangerous places. And if you have someone, and I, I know, Iwobi, Iwobi, Iwobi can create from live play too and did last year because he had a lot more touches in the year before in the attacking third. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I was, I'm way more excited when I saw the metrics. Obviously he's a class player and, you know, it's lovely to watch, but 
I didn't realize quite how good he was in the possession and uh, department. I mean, it's a case where the the stats seemingly back up, you know, the the proverbial eye test. And for me, just like a player of his profile would have been completely unthinkable a year ago. Like Marco Silva and Marco no Brands, you know, can, this is a player that's coming here to play for Carlo Ancelotti. He loves him. They've had a tremendous relationship. And this is exactly why we brought Carlo in in the first place. And we talked about it, like the, the access he gives you and the caliber of player that you can now pursue goes to, you know, it's essentially limitless. Like we're not going to sign Lionel Messi. I hate to break it to everyone out there. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, what? but <laughs> sorry, Ryan, get in. I didn't, I didn't want to spoil that for you, but get in, lad. again, like Hamas Rodriguez in terms of, you know, his, his he, he's not, He's not Lionel Messi, but he's a very, very good player and has an unbelievable reach and is going to do an amazing amount for the exposure and the perception, I think, of the club from a global standpoint. And that you can't really put a price on it. Furthermore, again, we taught you guys talked about his stats. He's going to be an immediate, massive upgrade to our current options in midfield. And I, I just can't wait. And we'll talk about the other two guys because. And I don't know any, any last words on Hamas before we move on simply that I think Everton fans for, for all the heartache that we've had to go through the last couple of years, we deserve it. That's all I got to say. We deserve it. Well, I think the guy is going to get Everton fans also. And the reason why he was 70% excited is, I mean, let's be honest. We we've been to the grand old lady. Nothing gets that crowd more fired up than a hard tackle. It's Alan. I mean, the guy, Loves to tackle, take the ball away. He's feisty. He's fiery. He's demonstrative. He's a general on the pitch. I mean, I think we all know that's what we've been missing overtly and thus the poll. And, uh, you know, again, the numbers back it up as well, too. I mean, the guy takes care of the ball. He's a great passer. I didn't realize how creative he was from deep. I mean, you know, I use the, I use the reference again with, um, you know, live passes that create shots. I mean, he's at like 2.5 the last three years and not playing up forward. That that would be about the best on our team, um, which is really impressive. We know he can tackle. He's not necessarily the best at interceptions. And he's not. The only concern there is transitioning from a slightly slower league. He's not an amazing athlete. Um, he's quick, but his anticipation is really what makes him seem faster on the pitch. And even though he's not a big guy, he will absolutely kick someone I'm really excited to watch this guy play. I remember thinking how great he was a year or two ago. This is yet another example where we have all the leverage in the world here. Why? Like you said, James, Carlo Ancelotti, this is the effect you can do. And I'll tell you what, if people want to call out Marcel Brands about not, you know, having an impact on this, what is he supposed to do? You leverage what you have as a club. If you've got a world-class manager and he, he makes a phone call or two and it helps you get someone, fine. That's... That's great. That's the whole point, isn't it? But I don't know. The poll's not surprising to me, is it to you guys? No, it doesn't surprise me at all because I think, as many pointed out in the responses, Allen is the type of player who brings the most obvious, like defensive steel. I think to the team uh, immediately. Now you have the the concerns, maybe the same minor ones that you have with someone like Hamas, where the adaptation, the the adaptation to the league itself, as you mentioned, Ryan, it's a little bit quicker probably a little more physical than, than Syria, but that doesn't take away from the fact that not too long ago, Allen was one of the best deep lying midfielders in, you know, Europe, in all of Europe. And no, he didn't have the best last 
couple seasons. Um, there was a move where he was supposed to go to PSG that broke down and it seemed like he kind of struggled to, to come back after that. But for me, like it, he is someone that fits very neatly into a role where we don't exactly have anyone right now. He is going to fight. He's going to put in a tackle. There was the, the clip that was going around where he, he makes a tackle and then like applauds his own tackle. <laughs> like very, it's like that's, that is what, like you said, Ryan, Everton fans love more than anything else is a player who's willing to put themselves about, get stuck in and win balls. And, and he does that. And in addition to that, he's good with the ball at his feet and he can, he can pass it forward. He can provide that missing link that we've had we talk about the black hole midfield so many times hopefully we won't have to talk about it much longer because i think this is a guy that's really going to make an immediate impact and improve us the second he steps into the squad furthermore his shirt's tucked in so the everton dads will approve as well oh short socks hiked up shorts get him in some black boots and they'll be fawning but right. I mean, what both of you said, he's super exciting as well. Obviously, he's not going to be the flashy player that James Rodriguez is. But in terms of the survey and, and how much impact people think he is going to have on the pitch for Everton next season, I think they're probably right. I want to say I want to go with the majority. Allen would probably have the most impact um, if we're looking at it on a case by case basis, simply because uh, we spent probably a collective hours over the last couple months talking about our issues in the center of the pitch. And uh, nothing solves that except for a nice new midfielder. And he's another guy. High passes under pressure, double digits, would have led the team again. His receiving percentage, which I, I just think is a really important stat. Uh, I think in the future, we're going to see that a lot. It, it's Players deserve more credit for getting into space and receiving a pass than than the passer sometimes. And he's great at it. Moves the ball, recirculates it fast. And he doesn't get dispossessed that much or lose control of it. I mean, and 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 he's constantly under pressure with it and having a lot of touches an accurate passer and creative. I mean, he's exactly what we need. I don't know. It's pretty exciting. And I, I just, he's the, I love players like that. My favorite players out there are the defensive mids, the guy that just kind of stops the other team, transitions back out, does all the dirty work and uh, sprinkles in, you know, a, a nice little long pass every now and then. Uh, and the fiery guy, you know, we need that, man. We need more personality. We really do. Honestly. I mean, I think who was it saying how many of the, players we have right now are kind of quiet and really nice guys while well, ain't a nice guy he'll absolutely kick you he'll win the ball from you he'll cheer at you he'll scream at the ref he's not a complete maniac but you saw and i'll tell you who does not want to face him the guys across the park i can tell you that right now i mean they did not look like they wanted any of him he was such a pain in the butt against them in the champions league and it was glorious to watch let's hope we see that again yeah, he seems like just a relentless, tenacious fighter. And in a midfield where so many players have just come off as passive and, and <clears throat> wanting to pass the buck and not wanting to take ownership of their responsibilities on the pitch, he seems like one who revels in, in taking the role he's given and, and doing his absolute best. For me, I, I, I still think, and, and we'll talk about the third, obviously, Decore in a second, <clears throat> but uh, he is, he is exactly what we've been missing. In absence of Jean-Philippe Gabamin, he's going to provide us with with something. Again, and he, he's not like a Morgan Schneiderlin where he's he's a d- defensive midfielder that plays defense and is pretty useless going forward. Like you mentioned, Ryan, like he he's very good getting with that transition transitionary phase of play. And so when you have that, 
it's it's invaluable and it's something we've been missing so desperately. So to get him in and, and the latest on that, by the way, is that we're scheduling a medical for him. So that deal in, in dealerentis from Napoli has said that the deal is effectively done. So it seems like it's just a matter of paperwork and, and some doctors, you know, doing the knee knock thing with the with the hammer, make sure that everything's good there and he'll be an Everton player within the next couple of days. That's all they do for pro players is a knee knock with a hammer. I mean, I, I'm assuming <laughs> it's probably something a little safer than a hammer, but like nonetheless, and a tongue depressor pretty... and like say, ah, uh... look with our, our luck of injuries recently, if they do any more, he might break his kneecap. So let's, let's not push <laughs> it here, gentlemen. Yeah. Let's, let's keep it, let's keep it uh minimal. Although, you know, obviously you don't want any, there have been of course, medicals that fall through, but it usually just seems like a formality in most cases. So Two potential signings in the next 48 hours. We were hoping that they might be done by the time we recorded this on Tuesday evening, but doesn't seem to be the case. But let's move on to the third and final rumored signing, the one that is probably the most developments remaining before it's across the line. The latest reports are, of course, that Wofford are willing to do business with us. We've agreed to personal terms with the player. It's just a little bit of negotiating back and forth over a fee slash as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, potential loan players going the other way. Let's go to let's go to Alex first. Abdullah Decore, a player we've been on like a two-year transfer saga since we first signed Marco Silva as manager. Are you excited to finally get him into Goodison Park, into Finch Farm? Wait, first, how do you spell it? <laughs> Dakari. D-A-Q-U. <laughs> um, is that how you spell Dakari? Nonetheless. Dokaria Cora. <laughs> yeah, something like that. There are a lot of C's, a lot of R's. Um, nonetheless, it, it's funny you say that, right? A two-year transfer saga. And even probably right before the season ended, I'd say Ducore was like the main shout on social media for our midfield. I, and I think part of that is probably just our tampered expectations. But, you know, we've been linked to him for a while and that sort of thing. Now, all of a sudden, we're sitting here on September 1st, and he just feels like, meh. I'm not going to say he is. He's not. But when we're talking about, when we finish talking about James Rodriguez and Allen coming to Everton, it's hard to be as excited about Ducore. Here's what I will say, though. If we were to wrap up a deal for Ducore, I think it would prove to be really important business simply in terms of squad depth and squad competition in the center of the midfield. And I think that this is really, really going to show us what our squad players are about. I like looking at the, if you look at the midfield kind of collectively, if all these guys come, it's really interesting. I think, I mean, to me, everyone kind of plays its own role. And there's some adaptability there, too. I think some people are writing off to Corey as a more disciplined player. I, I, he can actually, I think, play a six. People may disagree. Not his best role. But Allen can play a little bit, can play both, too. Play more as a box-to-box. -box. But um, I can see both of these guys playing with JPG just fine. You know, JPG can sit back and kind of sit in the hole as a six. And both these guys can kind of play in front of him. But, look, to Corey is the power and pace that we've needed in midfield. Uh, for full disclosure... He's been my favorite non-Everton player in the Premier League for the last several years. I absolutely love this guy. Um, and it's funny because some of his numbers are very good. Like his recovery numbers are insane. Um, his dribble numbers are really good too. It's like 60%. Um, you know, his tackling is fine and things like that, but I just, we talked about needing energy. The guy runs as much as anyone in the whole league. He's always way up at the top of that. And when he, and he runs, runs. This isn't like Gilfie running a lot, but going nowhere. This isn't him just like standing around and moving. I mean, this guy covers ground. He is true box to box. He is the true athlete that we have needed for a long time. He's maybe not, I mean, he's not the possession based player that Allen is, 
But I think another thing's worth noting is he played the 10 a lot last year. So sometimes when people are looking at numbers and comparisons, I think they're, they're missing the boat. They have to think about how he's going to be functionally for us. Um, but I, I just, I just love, I love this guy. As a center mid and stuff, he was a better passing percentage guy. Another thing to remember is he never played on a great team. It's not that Watford were totally awful. Um, but they always had a strong midfield, but they didn't have much else. The defense wasn't that great. I, I, I saw them play Liverpool and Anfield. Yes, I actually went to Anfield. I'm sorry. Um, wish it smelled better. Uh, but <laughs> seeing, you know, I've watched Watford a lot because I like the players so much. I mean, still on the pitch, he was noticeably a difference maker. So I don't care what a couple of the Watford fans have popped in on Twitter and said that he's not that great. You can have him. Good. I'd love to have him. He's man. We need him. And, and so you start looking at that and then Andre. Andre can play a role there too. He's still a good possession player. He's more of a playmaker. He's not a good defensive player, but you know, if we need to play a little higher up and put some pressure on people, he's got a role. He's different. Delph has some adaptability and flexibility. I see him, see him playing a role too. It, it allows us to do whatever with Tom Davies. I, I just say like suddenly we have a portfolio of midfielders that can get the job done. In fact, I'll put up that midfield against a lot of other teams midfield. It's just how can you not? So again, I'm going to try and take my blinders off in terms of proper recruitment long-term. I've accepted the fact that we're going to reboot and buy some experienced players, but if we're going to buy experienced players, I like these guys. I mean, these three just, I mean, how many times have I said and watched these guys independent of being linked to them and said, that's exactly what we need. I've said that to Alan so many times and to Corey, I, I can't even tell you. It's, it's like a total scouts dream to watch these guys play as like, I, I just assume we couldn't even get Alan. You know, I, I have to try and pick guys that were kind of like him. I don't know. It's exciting for next year for sure if it all goes down. So Ryan, safe to say that if we do get the Decore deal over the line, then you'll be sporting a Dakri jersey as your kit for the season. Yeah, which is the accent mark on? Yeah, yeah <laughs> seriously. I'll get a picture of a Decore jersey with a Dakri in my hand. Although I will say this, there are going to be some Hamas jerseys out there too. My ten-year-old Max basically said. I told him, I was like, you know, I think Hamas is coming to Everton. He just started laughing at me. He's not coming. What are you talking about, Dad? No, he's not. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure he is. No, he's not. I just can't. I just want him to get over the line for that reason only. He's learned his 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 lessons at an early age, apparently. Yeah. He's like, I can't even get him to come on FIFA, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but getting back to like to the Decore signing because I, I haven't had a chance to chime in on it. I mean, you you guys said a lot, but what really excites me about him is that he seems like the type of player, and you alluded to this, Ryan, that really can help bring out the best in some of the other personnel that we have available. Like alongside Andre Gomez, who was a player, I think, you know, people wrote him off a lot uh, coming back from injury and he wasn't that great post restart like the rest of our midfield. But he's still with the right personnel there, with the right partnership. He can still be an extremely useful player. And I, and I do think that Decore, it's almost we almost have gone from like a black hole to not quite an embarrassment of riches, but really strong depth in in options for Carlo to choose from on a week in week out basis, barring any injuries, knock on wood there, but it's just so exciting and, and credit to brands, you know, obviously it's not like, you know, our squad assessment was probably fairly similar to, to analysis that the club came up with where the, the needs and areas of, of priority were obvious but it's so nice to see that we're able to get when it was so quiet for the first few weeks and people were maybe preemptively starting to panic. Oh, we're not going to get any deals done. Da, 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 da. Marcel's a fraud, Carlo, uh, no, whatever to go from that. in like the span of a week to having a potentially entirely new 
set of faces in midfield is very exciting. And it seems like all the deals are going to get over the line again, knock on wood there. Uh, I could not be more thrilled. I think this is going to be transformative for the rest of the players in the squad, not just in midfield, but also in defense and attack, where we can finally start to get players like Alex Awobi, players like Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin more regularly into better positions to score, retain possession, dominate games in a way that we just were not able to with possession, playing it out from the back like we we saw fail so many times. Things that we're actually going to be able to finally execute on because we have the personnel to do so and start to actually play Carlo Ancelotti's vision of how, how Everton should be playing. And to me, that's just unbelievably exciting. I will probably look back on this podcast in six months' time when we're sitting in 12th in the table and we have a new slew of injuries and be distraught with myself for letting myself get so excited. But I need this. I know. No, I really There's do think no that, that Everton curse. I know. No I know. Curse. I didn't grow up in Liverpool. I get it. No Everton. I don't believe in that crap at all. Not at no all. Cursed. No Not at curse. all. No None. curse. None. But it, it's just, it's so nice to have things to look forward to and be anticipating the start of a new season because things ended on such a sour note. And I, one thing that you just, you, you have to say is that since Marcel Brands has come in, we've continued to trend in the right direction, at least from a transfer window perspective. And you look at the problems in the squad, they are the, the ones that remain are largely ones that Marcel's worked to get rid of and were a byproduct of the previous regime under Steve Walsh and, and Ronald Koeman, essentially. So no fault to Marcel. He's done an amazing job. If we get these three over the line, I really do think that, that the seventh place that we talked about, maybe sixth place, who knows? Um, Carlos seems to have the, the players in, in position to be successful and, and I'm over the moon. I'm just really excited. You know, if I, if I have one final thought and Ethan Sander, otherwise known as the Penny Blue on socials, put this in a way, but essentially if we are, if we really are to confirm the deals such as these, specifically the James Rodriguez deal, someone as big as James Rodriguez, right? We talked about the marketing dollars and this, that, and the other and raising the profile of the club. Um, we cannot let the opportunity pass us by if he is shown with a picture of a blue shirt holding up, right? Like, or being held up, right? Because when, if ever, will be the next time that we have the opportunity to sign someone like James Rodriguez, the answer could be never. I hope it's not, but it could be never. We cannot let the opportunity <coughs> slip away. We have to make full use of, of it if he comes, if and when speaking he shows that, up. Speaking of that, is there not a coincidence as to why we don't have a sleeve sponsor, maybe? I mean, I don't know That's how image rights work exactly. I know I have a business background. I should know that crap, right? But in theory, you got to admit, I mean, I would think there's some global brands that wouldn't mind buying, you know, paying some money, pony up some cash um, to put their brand or at least to find some other commercial deals for these guys. You know, I, I just um, the Premier League has great reach. I, I'm going to suspend, you know future proper recruitment belief and stuff too, man. How could you not be excited? You know, it'd be finally nice to have, there's still a couple holes too. I'm still concerned about right back and, and, and keeper, but I'm not as concerned about the wide areas. Uh, you know, as I've said on social media, Carlo um, played Hamez when we, I think we'll probably play a lot more four four two, which is really a four two two two. Um, what he played at Napoli with Allen kind of sitting back with in, in theory, Decore kind of rushing forward a little bit. Hamez played on the right there. So, you know, with the proper right back, we don't really necessarily need him to be playing 
inside. He can handle the width. Uh, when we played 433, which is what we played in our one friendly, uh, I'd love to have another one sometime. That'd be great. Uh, <laughs> um, he played him at the 10, uh, which is great too. I mean, imagine that midfield of Hamez sitting in front of Decore and Allen. I mean, love it. I, that's what I want to roll I into Anfield with. That's what I roll into Anfield with. Gonna be all hot and bothered if I start thinking about this for too long. It's, it's too good to be true. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And we still got to make it work under the budget too and got to move some guys out. But, uh, yeah, there's a reason to be optimistic for it next year. Uh, again, I, we're not making the Champions League, but, um, be nice to make a run at a trophy, you know, and get to Europa. Absolutely. 100% agree. A lot to be excited about. Maybe don't, don't go too far with it just yet because the deals aren't quite finalized. But once we get a here we go on, from Fabrizio on all three, uh, it's going to be a, a regular old fiesta. I cannot wait. Again, a lot to look forward to. Uh, that's going to do it for us today, though, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to let us know on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP if you haven't already. And we will be with you guys very soon following Everton's next friendly, if we ever have one. Or maybe once some of these deals finally get over the line, we can talk about them more in depth. But regardless, until next time, stay well and up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg slash ATP and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.